Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get into it. First episode of November. Um, I'm, I'm a part of me is like, okay, I'm happy that we're in the midst of the football season where we're, you know, we're halfway through the NFL season, but a part of me is kind of, kind of like knowing, like, okay, you know, a couple more months of this and it's going to be all over. Uh, I've been really enjoying this NFL season and looking at the storylines and so forth. Um, also, we got some college football, NBA news, Steve Nash, Brooklyn head coach, former Brooklyn Nets head coach. He was fired, um, or as they like to say, parted ways um, early this week and so forth. So a lot just going on in the world of sports, a lot going on in the world. Um, but like I said, first episode, November uh, I'm usually not this guy, but it is my birthday month. I don't, I don't, I know that's like the new thing, the new wave thing to do. Like, hey, it's my birthday month, or like people like, hey, this is my birthday month. I'm really, I'm typically not that guy. Like, I'm not the guy that's like the birthday month. Like, no, I have a birthday. But since I am, since I mentioned that, hey, this is the first episode of November, I, 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 I just throw it in there that it is my birthday month. Um, so I'm excited for that as well. But um, without further ado, uh, I want to get into this thing. You guys know how we started up. Uh, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Shouts out to everybody listening. I greatly appreciate you guys. Uh, I don't care if you are a first time listener. Um, I don't care if you are a regular. I do care if you're a regular listener. Um, but you guys get it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy if you're listening. I'm happy that you're listening. And I greatly appreciate it. It don't matter if you're a first time listener, a regular listener. Um, hell, this might be your last time listening. I greatly appreciate you for listening. Uh, so uh, NFL, like I said, a lot going on in the world of sports. Um, we got our first college football playoff rankings. Uh, I, I I feel like I want to, and this is the thing before I get into it, I want to do a separate, I'm thinking about doing a separate portion for my college football rankings, like re- recap or reaction. I think I may do that. I think I may do that. I think. I think I may do that. And then, uh, obviously, we got a lot to get into in terms of the NFL trade deadline that passed this past week, um, or earlier this week, I should say. The NFL trade deadline, uh, his historic number of trades and so forth. Uh, I think there were some pretty good trades move. I like I like some of the moves that I saw from certain teams. Um, so, Let's get into it. Let's let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. Uh, let's start with the Chicago Bears. And I was um, I've been talking about the Bears lately more often because I feel like, granted, uh, they went down to Dallas. They 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 lost to Dallas. They that game was really never close. Like Dallas got out to a fourteen point lead. Chicago at times thought you you thought sometimes at times they can get back into the game, but Dallas was just a little bit better, uh, a lot better I would say. Dallas is a more definitely more of a complete team, uh, and I'm not surprised that Chicago, you know, all time high win versus Belichick and the Patriots at New England. Then the following week you got to go down to Dallas and play a a really good football team, a team that was better that's better than New England. Like Dallas is really good, so uh, they they lost. So they lost to Dallas, and really Dallas just had their way with Chicago um, throughout that game. But coming into the season, 
there was a big story with Ruquan Smith wanting a contract extension from the Chicago Bears. And I don't think I directly talked about this situation with the Bears and Ruquan Smith, but I know my thoughts were, hey, I was a bit hesitant on them paying him because he was coming off a down year. And also, like, hey, you look at Ruquan Smith. He's a tackling machine, a pretty good linebacker. Is he an elite? Uh, is he, like, top five in his position? Or, like, is he elite? Uh, probably not, right? Most people probably say probably not. Just as importantly, or I would argue even more importantly, as I have stressed the, the point to you guys over the past couple times where I've talked about the Bears and, and Justin Fields, they have never gotten the offense right. The Bears have always struggled throughout their team's history to get the offense right. They just can't get the quarterback. They just can't get the receiver thing. They just can't get the offense right. So, okay. So, Ruquan Smith, not really elite player in his position or like top five in his position he's coming off a down year but he wants a contract extension overall he's a pretty good player but you have a young quarterback and to spend money on a linebacker who isn't elite but your young quarterback while your young quarterback has the worst receiving core in the league I don't know if I would do that so smartly the Bears moved off of and traded Ruquan Smith you tested the Bears tested his value. They moved off of Ruquan Smith. And I like this move. I like I, I like this move. Test Ruquan Smith's value. He's not like I say, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily elite, but he is a tackling machine. He's a pretty good player. He's a really good linebacker. And Baltimore could use that. Baltimore is in a different stage right now in terms of like uh like Chicago's rebuilding. Chicago's trying to build up their young core, um, that that offense side of the ball. You look at Baltimore, Baltimore is a perennial playoff team. So they're trying to get back to the playoffs and see what they can do. So I like the move for both teams. I'm just glad Chicago, once again, didn't fall into that trap of theirs where they just pay a, def a defensive player because they pay, they, they went out and traded for Khalil Mack, played Khalil Mack. They never did anything. They got to one playoff appearance, one playoff appearance with Khalil Mack and that great defense. In Chicago, it's never their defense. It's always they can't get the offensive right. They can't get the offensive side of the ball correct. So what do you do? You move off of a linebacker who's pretty good, not elite, but pretty good. You test his value. You get assets back, and you try to and you use those assets to help assist your young quarterback. Because now you got to see if Justin Fields is the guy. And over the past couple of weeks, it's it's funny since I started talking about Justin Fields. In Chicago, in the Chicago Bears, um, and uh, Matt Eberflus, Matt Eberflus, and and and, and Luke Getzey, I've been I've been seeing stuff trending in the right direction. I think with Justin Fields, there's something there. There's there's something definitely there. Now it doesn't help that his offensive line isn't the greatest. Doesn't help that uh, he I think by far he probably has the worst receiving core in the NFL. Doesn't help. But point in case, look at the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins, a couple years ago, they were heavy defense. They, I mean, Brian Flores was spending a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of resources, a lot of assets was going towards the defense. You draft Tua, and people like, and Tua don't look up to par, and everybody's like, oh, Tua, what the hell's going on with Tua? Tua don't look like he's the goods. Well, what the hell? He Left tackle, he, he got a... They, they, Dolphins didn't have a left tackle. Dolphins didn't have really any explosive, you know, receivers that can really separate. 
you look up now, a couple years later, the damn Dolphins. <laughs> you look up now, they got a, they got a, they got a, they got a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. They got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. They got speedsters on the outside. They got an offensive minded coach. And Tua all of a sudden looks like he can play. Tua also, Tua all of a sudden looks like he can play. All of a sudden looks like he can play. So for years, the Bears have had a good defense. But it, it's gotten them nowhere. It's gotten them nothing but expensive defensive players that they eventually move off of. Like, think about it. The Bears have all, they've always, over the past few years, they've always have had really good defensive players. They've always had really good defenses. But that has gotten them nothing but expensive price tags on those defensive players, and then they eventually move off of them. Hicks, Hakeem Hicks, uh, um, Khalil Mack, like, on and on. Ruquan Smith, he, the, I'm, I'm sure the Ravens are going to probably pay him. Like, Robert Quinn, like, all these really good defensive players, but it has gotten them nothing. It's gotten them nowhere. So go get Justin Fields, a left tackle, a receiver, with trade with trading the bear with trading Ruquan Smith to the Ravens. The Bears now have great draft capital. They have some they have some draft capital. I think they got a first rounder. They got two second rounders. They got a third rounder, two fourth rounders. They got they got some draft capital now. And then look, you have the Bears have a hundred plus million dollars in cap space. Use those assets, use those pieces to go out and get Justin Fields some help. And let's see if he's your guy. Because with Justin Fields, over the past couple of weeks, I've seen flashes, even versus Dallas, where they lost by 20 points. I've seen flashes of Justin Fields using his athleticism. And this is also, you can also accredit Luke Getze with, with some of the play design and some of the play creation and play calling that I've been seeing over the past few weeks, where he looks really good. I, I, I see, I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some things. There's something there with Fields. Like, He's a talented kid. There's something there, but the Bears they haven't when they when they have drafted offensive line offense. I don't know. They've like I said over, over the past two years they've drafted six offensive linemen. Maybe one is good. Darnell Mooney outside of Darnell Mooney Mooney outside of the receiver position outside of him they don't really have nothing else. So you look up, you trade Wuquan Smith. Now you have draft capital set aside with 100, and you move off of Robert Quinn. You move off of these expensive defensive players, and you look up, you're going to have $100 million in the cap. Go out and pay the best left tackle on the market. Go out and pay, and go out and get a, a, a really good receiver. They traded for Chase Claypool. Um, I like Chase Claypool. He After his first year in Pittsburgh, it's been a really, it's been a little shaky. It's been some inconsistency problems. He's had most, some maturity problems, but that that like he's an upgrade from what they have outside of Darnell Mooney. Like Chase Claypool, he's an upgrade. He's certainly an upgrade from what they have had outside of Darnell Mooney. So that helps. That helps. And as I said, point in case, these young quarterbacks, <laughs> I I swear, and I'm not saying Justin Fields is this is Josh Allen. But when you look at Josh Allen, his first couple years in the NFL, he looked shaky. In his first year, he looked really shaky. His second year, you could see improvement. You can see steady improvement, but he was still having some issues in terms of like 
accuracy issues. He was still completing like 56% of his passes in his second year. That was he now in his second year, you saw more glimpses and Buffalo utilized his athleticism a lot more, <clears throat> i.e., just like how Chicago's doing the same with Justin Fields. You saw that a lot with just with with, with Josh Allen. But in terms of him and his passing as um being a consistent, efficient passer, that was still an issue for Josh Allen. His third year, guess who he gets? He gets he gets he gets Stefan Diggs. He gets Stefan Diggs. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen, he we're calling him the the the, the most physically gifted quarterback in the league now. <laughs> it happens really quickly. It happens really quickly. Tua, everybody, I mean, we were we were killing Tua. We was like, oh Lord, the Dolphins may have made a mistake. He can't stay healthy. When he's on the field, he looks really average. He looks small. Okay, you get him Waddle. Okay, you got Jaseki. Okay, you got Tyreek Hill. Okay, you got an offensive-minded coach. Okay, he got a Pro Bowl left tackle. Oh, uh-oh. Tua can really play now. Tua can play now. Jalen Hurts. Hey, we were down on Jalen Hurts. Oh, is he a starting quarterback in this league? Can he play in this league? Okay, you get him Devontae Smith. You get him A.J. Brown. Okay, you get him a Nick Sirianni. Seems to be a pretty decent coach. Oh, Jalen Hurts can really play now. Jalen Hurts can play. So when it comes to these young quarterbacks, it's like, let's like put some pieces around them and let's actually see if they can play. But it's really hard to evaluate and judge if they don't have the represent pieces around them. So I'm glad the Bears, this is the step in the right direction because for years, the Bears seem like that one fan, you know, that one family member that just spends money just irresponsibly. Like they just like they just spend money irresponsibly. I know I'm sure everybody has that one family member that's like, dude, just can't get right. Like he just spends. Like he just spends. It's like that's the Bears. The Bears, the, the Bears for a long time, they just spend them, they spend money on the wrong pieces. They like they spend money irresponsibly so heavily towards the defense. It's it's looking like they have turned the corner and they're looking like, hey, we're gonna try to figure out this offensive thing. Even if you can't draft offense, even if you can't draft offense, go out and spend money on it. Go go take someone else. Don't go take another team's offensive like good offensive players. Even if you can't draft it, spend money on it because like at some point you got to give Justin Fields some 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 support and some help to see if he can actually play in this league. Because there's something there, but with a subpar offensive line, I like their backs, but with a subpar offensive line and outside of one receiver, Darnell Mooney, outside of that, the, the receiving core is, is it's nothing. It's not that good. You, you got you to gotta give him some support so we can actually see if he can play. So let's shift gears uh, to another NFC North team in the Packers. And... As the trade deadline came and went, I was wondering to myself, because I looked at the entire NFC North division, the entire division, excluding the Packers, made a move in the trade during the trade deadline or right before the trade deadline. And the Packers didn't. And I granted the Packers, um, they're, they're not looking too good, right? But it's like you got Aaron Rodgers, who's a top five talent at the position. You got a pretty solid defense. Granted, they've been underachieving, but they got a solid defense. Your running game is okay. Like, this season is not a total wash. But then I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm wondering. I'm like, 
why didn't the Packers make any moves? Why didn't they make any moves? Like, literally, the, the Lions made a move. The Bears made a move. The Vikings went out and made a move. And the Packers, they stay steady. They stay still. Then I thought to myself, with them not making a move, that tells me everything I need to know. That tells me all I need to know. So last week, I was telling you guys, I was talking about the Packers, breaking down the Packers' struggles and so forth. And as to, you know, I, I was giving the reason as to why, like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is washed. I think he can still play. Um, I just think his demeanor, I just think his attitude, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, a healthy fit for this roster, for these group of guys that he has. It's a bunch of young guys, inexperienced, not really dependable, unproven. And Aaron just, it, it, like the attitude, is, it, it just, it's just not helpful. So maybe the Packers, I was thinking maybe the Packers, Maybe they need to go out and make a move for a receiver to trade their line. But with them not making any type of move to get better or to try to put themselves in position in, in, in like within the playoff race in the NFC, because the NFC is wide open. And 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 granted, they're two with them being three and five, and they look bad right now. And they're on a current uh think three game, three game losing streak. They don't look good right now, but they're only two games out of the wild card spot. So it, it's not like it's not like a playoff berth or a playoff spot is just inevitable. They can still get it, right? Well, I thought to myself, maybe the Packers are not just one receiver away. Maybe with them trading just for one receiver or getting or acquiring one receiver, it doesn't put th- it doesn't put them um, in a good position to make a playoff run, a deep playoff run, right? And then I started thinking, I'm like, well, what's the direction of this Packers team? And I feel like with drafting Jordan Love, they have been stuck ever since. Because think about it. The Packers drafted Jordan Love. Because, hey, they looked at signs. They 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 was looking at Aaron. Aaron's getting older, some injuries. Aaron's also really hard to deal with. They're like, uh, okay, we're going to draft Jordan Love for the future. Then Aaron comes back, wins back-to-back MVPs, and they're like, oh, damn. Well, Aaron can still play. Aaron can still play. There's no sense of, uh, there's no sense of direction with this team. So it looks like that Jordan Love pick, which they moved up to tra- to, to tra- draft him they didn't they didn't need to move up to draft him but they moved up to draft him a draft the quarterback out of utah state who college career bit shaky didn't have a two didn't his junior year wasn't too great his sophomore year was pretty good that's his best year on tape but mm, i don't know a lot of people found that really skeptical and and questionable for a packers team that has that have aaron Rodgers to move up in the first round for a quarterback where that could have been spent on a receiver, dare I say. So that so from that point on, the direction of the Packers has been blurry because Aaron can still play. And Aaron, 250, I mean, Aaron, back-to-back MVPs. So then this offseason, you let Zadarius Smith go, who went to the Packers. That looks like the steal of the century. The Packers are paying Zadarius Smith while he's playing for the Vikings and he's leading the league in sacks. So that looks like a that looks like a bad move, right? 
And Darius Smith is one of those players, like, he's a win-now type of guy. He's a win-now player. He's he, automatic because he has automatic impact, as you can see with the Vikings. So you let him go. But then you gave Aaron Rodgers $50 million. So you give him $50 million per year. So then I'm wondering, okay, so you are still trying to compete because you gave your older quarterback, who still looks really good and can still play, you gave him $50 million per year on his new deal. So you are in the business of still trying to compete, right? Okay. But then you draft a linebacker in the first round of the draft instead of drafting the receiver. Okay, right? You gave Aaron $50 million per year on this new deal. So you're trying to compete. The I would think the wise thing to do is to probably gain or draft the receiver. No, instead they draft they drafted a linebacker in the first round. So they wasted their first round pick on a linebacker instead of receiver. And then you let Devontae Adams walk away for picks. So you acquire so you let your best player, your best receiver, I mean the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams, you let him just walk away for picks. And now you're just not good enough. So you see, like the move, every other move is signaling something else. Like the Zadarius Smith move, it seems like, okay, you're trying to get rid of him because he's a bit expensive and you don't think you're good enough. You're, you're, you're thinking about the future. But then you gave Aaron Rodgers $50 million, so you're still trying to compete. But then you let Devontae Adams walk away. And got picks in exchange for him. I, it, something's just not adding up. And this is where a part of me, I I don't blame Aaron Rodgers because I had I, you anybody I think can see the the ineptness of the Packers. Is, is that a word? Inept? I know inept is a word, but is ineptness a word? If it isn't, it is now. Anybody can see the Packers' ineptness of what they have been doing in tr- in terms of trying to build a Super Bowl caliber roster the past few years. They've been bad at doing it. They haven't done a good job at it. But also, like, are they trying to build for the future? Because if you're trying to build for the future, you don't give your older star quarterback $50 million per year. So at this point, I think the NFC is wide open. But the Packers didn't make out. They didn't go out and make a move. So in terms of their direction, I don't know. Because they're, come on, they're clearly not good enough right now. This Packer team is not good enough at all. Like, this Packer team, they got beat pretty bad versus Minnesota. Granted, that was week one. But Minnesota, they just, they're adding talent on offense. Zadarius Smith, like the steal of the offseason. So when I look at this Packers team, I'm like, okay, they didn't make a move in, in in during the trade deadline. Maybe that's telling me something. Maybe that's maybe that's like a sign. Maybe that tells me all I need to know about what they think about this roster this year. But I think the when I when you look at the NFC, think about the quarterbacks that potentially may be in the playoffs. Think about it. We have Jalen Hurts. 
Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, those literally may be the NFC playoff quarterbacks. And then you have Aaron Rodgers. If I'm Green Bay, I, I like my chances. But are they good enough? I don't know. I don't think Green Bay has been good enough this year. They haven't really shown any sign of, okay, this team looks like a legit team, like a legit contender. They haven't shown that all year long. They have not shown that. Like, you look at that Sunday night game. I mean, they lost. But the more victory is, hey, Buffalo, they only won by 10 points, right? Buffalo only won by 10 points. Buffalo, if you're asking me, I thought Buffalo should have probably won that game by at least 20 points, by at least two, three touchdowns, by at least three touchdowns. That's the, that's the way that game was going. So I don't I don't know. I mean, Rodgers, like I said, Rodgers can still play. I still think Aaron Rodgers can still play at a, at a high level. I must admit, I was pretty high on this defense coming into the year. But so far, they have underachieved. They haven't been, like, terrible, but they have underachieved. I thought they would be a bit better this year. But this team just don't look like they're a team that's prone to make a deep playoff run with one move. And that's why I think they didn't make a move. That's why I think they didn't make a move on the trade deadline. Because they don't look like, they don't resemble a team that's going to be playing in late January. I just don't think they're good enough. And granted, we can look at the NFC and we can evaluate some of the NFC quarterbacks and some of the teams. And there is a lot of unknown and unproven. But when you look at this Packer team, it's like you line them up versus the NFC's best. They they're not they wouldn't beat Green. I mean, they wouldn't beat the 49ers. They wouldn't beat the Eagles right now. I'm not even sure if they'll beat Dallas right now. They didn't beat Minnesota. So we can say, look at the playoff quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones. We can say, hey, look at the playoff quarterbacks in the NFC, but these teams are really well-rounded. These teams are really well-rounded. Philadelphia, well-rounded team. For the 49ers, a well-rounded team. I just don't think Green Bay all around, all across the board is good enough. I just don't think they're good enough. I just don't. So, because I, I like, hey, I found it interesting that they didn't make a move, but everybody else in their division, whether whether they were sellers or buyers, they made a move. Green Bay did not make a move. That was a telltale sign to me. I thought that was a telltale sign, and I think this. I think if I'm Green Bay, I'm looking at Brian Gutenkutz, and I'm like, what the hell is the direction? Because every other move, it's like, okay, you're thinking about the present. Okay, you're thinking about the future. Okay, you're thinking about the present. Okay, you're trying to compete. Okay, you're you're thinking about the future. I don't know. That Jordan Love pick, it looks like a bad pick because it's a wasted pick. Not saying he can't play, but we haven't seen much of him. And it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers is going with in the next two years, maybe. So, I don't know. It just looks like a wasted pick, and this team looks like they don't have any type of direction. So I'm going to shift gears to my top 10 teams list. We do this on a weekly basis. Um, like I said, we do this on a weekly basis. I think a lot of people a lot of people like this this segment where I do my top 10 teams because it's not like your regular, regular power rankings that you see. 
you know, I don't, I don't care about records. Like I, I, okay. I care about records, but I don't like, that's not like the end all be all. Like you can be a four and 14 and be in my top five. You can be a six and one team, six and two team and not be in my top five. So, um, so that's just how we do it. I, I try to consider everything. Um, so here it is. And, and I must say my list, so many, so many upsets in this football season, this NFL season has been so much an unknown. So I'm just giving you a heads up. My list may be a little bit surprising, but Hey, uh, this is what it is. So let's start at 10. I have the Seahawks. I don't know if this is a, like a feel good story or if they're actually a good team, but I must say this Pete Curl has done a great job with this team. First, you start with the draft. The Seahawks, they have weird, weird to say, and it's it's so funny to say because for years I have criticized Pete Curl and the job he has done in terms of drafting over the past few years of recently. It just hasn't been it, like a recent, it just hasn't been great. But this past year, I mean, the Seahawks probably had the best draft. Like they have knocked the draft out the part. That's part of the reason why they look so good right now. So the Seahawks, they beat the Giants. Um, they they're right now they're currently first in the NFC West. I I can't believe it. If someone would have told me going into Week Nine that the Seahawks would be the first and they would be the, they 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 had the best record in the NFC West, I would have said, "What are you smoking?" But but they're they're a pretty good football team. I think I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a good story for the first eight, nine, ten weeks, or if they're actually a good football team. But Pete Curl can't coach. Like he's done it time and time again in different locations. He's shown you that he can he can coach. So uh also Geno Smith has been playing well. Uh they have the fourth, their fourth in scoring offense. So like that shows you Geno Smith been productive. Uh, I think he's leading the league in completion percentage. He's, he, I think he's leading the league in deep ball completion percentage. So, like, he is really, really playing well, and he's kind of, like, resurrected his career. So, Seahawks at 10. At 9, I have the Bengals. I know they wet the bid on Monday Night Football versus the Browns. I say this. There's always, especially within the division, there's always some tough matchups within the division where it's just, like, it's just a mismatch, and they just can't do nothing about it. Cincinnati has a hard time with Cleveland. And a lot of that comes from Cincinnati can't block Miles Garrett. It's going to be a long day if you're playing the Browns and you can't contain Miles Garrett. Time and time again, they see this team two 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 times a year and they still can't find a way to really um to really block or just slow down Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett just has his way. Um also important to note Jamar Chase He's out, didn't play. He's going to be out for some time now, for about, I think, about a month. So, granted, Cincinnati, I still like this team. I still think this is a really good football team, and they could be, I think they're, between them and the Dolphins, they're competing for the third best team in the AFC. So, I'm I'm not going to just give up uh, my Bengals stock, but I must admit, that was a bad, that was a stinker, and they have struggled with the Cleveland Browns for the past few years because, they can't really do nothing with Miles Garrett. Um, <clears throat> at eight, I have the I have the Ravens. Now the Ravens, they they're coming off a really good win versus Tampa Bay. Get this, they have the easiest remaining schedule. So they had some funky losses in the beginning. Hopefully that 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 Tampa Bay win can give them some momentum. Uh, Lamar Jackson has been playing well. Uh, people, you know, you can say what you want, but Lamar has been balling. 
Lamar has been balling. And what I like about this Ravens team is they have an identity. They have a, they have an identity, and they do a lot of stuff well. Like, literally, they do a lot of stuff well. I think they have the fourth rushing offense. Um, they can throw it a little bit. Now, Rashad Bateman, he's out for the rest of the season. So we'll see what, what Baltimore does in terms of that receiver and that passing game. But Baltimore do a lot well. I love their culture. And like I said, you look at their schedule. Baltimore right now, I think they're five and three right now. I think they're like five and three. They had some funky losses. But you look up in the next month or so, they might be looking like a 10 and three football team because you look at their schedule. It's really, it's, it's, they can pile up a lot of W's. I got the Ravens at eight right now. At number seven, I have the Dolphins. They have been really impressive when they have two on the field. I tell you guys all the time. I, I was just talking about Justin Fields and how Chicago needs to give him the support. Give him the support because literally we was having these same similar discussions about Tua where Tua, we like, man, Tua looks average. Tua, he, he just looks small. He just can't do it. And then you look up a year later, you give him a Pro Bowl left tackle. You give him an offensive-minded coach. You give him Jalen Wall. You give him Tyreek Hill. And all of a sudden, hey, Tua can play. Tua can really play. They're great on third down. Their explosive offense, and then also at the trade deadline, they added Bradley Chubb. I don't think he's necessarily an elite pass rusher, but he's a pretty good pass rusher. He's a really good pass rusher. You add that on top of Miami already having a formidable defense, I think that makes them even more formidable in the AFC. I I must say this. They're an explosive passing attack in terms of their offense. I want to see how that translates as it gets colder. Because now it's November. Um, it's going to get colder. So, like, the passing game, it may slow down. I want to see how that translates. But I had the Dolphins at seven. At six, I think the Vikings would beat them. I have the Vikings at six. I love the TJ Hawkinson um, acquisition. Now, Hawkinson may not be – he may not have lived up to the billing um, in terms of like his draft status and what a lot of people thought, what a lot of scouts thought he could be, but he's a pretty good tight end. Like he's a good tight end, and he don't need to be the all pro. Like he don't he don't need to be. He's playing alongside uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, so he has other pieces around him. Hawkinson is just another really good addition. Now here's the thing. Zadarius Smith, I think, has probably been the steal of the offseason. Minnesota stole him from Green Bay. He's tops in sacks in the league. Um, you just add that. You look at you look at Zadarius Smith. This Vikings team, in terms of defense, they can get to the quarterback. They have some troubles in the back end. They have some troubles in the back end. And we all know Kirk Cousins has a tendency in big moments to shrink. And that's why I have the Cowboys at five. I think Dallas can be legit. I think Dallas can be legit. You look at their only two losses. They're six and two in the season. You look at the only two losses. It's Tampa Bay week one, Dak injury, and then Philly. Philly's really good. So you look at Dallas two losses like, okay, this team is, they, they can be legit. Now, offensively, they still have some tweaks to figure out. I do think. That was a good sign that they were able to put up 49 points versus a Bears defense that's been performing well over the past couple weeks. I think that was a good sign. But Tony Pollard, also Tony Pollard, he's probably their best playmaker on offense. They need to involve him a little bit more in the offensive game plan. But really, the story for Dallas this year 
It's it's been their defense. They lead the league in sacks with 33 sacks on the year. They can force turnovers. They may have the defensive player of the year and the Micah Parsons. I really like this Dallas team, and I like what they can do on defense. I feel like they have, I feel like they have a, a like a player, a playmaker at every unit of their defense. You look at the the, the front seven, the linebacking core, the secondary. There is somebody that can be a playmaker and somewhat of a game record. Like I said, the offensive thing, they have to. I think they have to find a way to incorporate Pollard a little bit more because. That that game he had on Sunday versus Chicago, like that should be a clear indication that hey, you got to utilize this guy as a weapon. I'm surprised Dallas didn't make a move during the trade deadline to get another receiver. They did try to attempt to get Brandon Cooks, but the only thing with Brandon Cooks is you got to pay him eighteen get eighteen million dollars guaranteed next year. So that's the thing. Like Dallas, they just don't have they don't have the change to do that. So that's that's why they didn't get Brandon Cooks. But I like Dallas. But I think the 49ers are better. I have the 49ers at four. Y'all can call me crazy. I think I think I think some of you guys like I think some of y'all like, hey, why do you continue to put the 49ers? Why do you have so much stock and so much faith? Because they're good. They're a good team. They're a good football team. They're a good football team. I, I have them at four because they're they're gonna get impact players back. We every other week. The 49ers are going to get more impact players back. Chris McCarthy is exactly what they need for another playmaker. Debo sent, they killed the Rams once you get once again, not surprised. They killed the Rams. But CMC, Christian McCaffrey, he's another piece, another playmaker on top of Debo Samuel. And they didn't even have Debo Samuel this Sunday. This team is legit. I with the 49ers, you just get it. You you either get it or you don't. Like at every level, their defense is quick. They got a they, similar to Dallas. They they got a playmaker, a game record at every level of their defense. And granted, okay, you don't like Jimmy Garoppolo. What is the gap between Matthew Stafford and Jimmy Garoppolo? Ask yourself that. What's the gap between Jimmy Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford? I'm not saying Garoppolo. I'm not saying Garoppolo's better than Matthew Stafford because I don't think he's better than Matthew Stafford. But the gap between Matthew Stafford and Garoppolo is not that wide. You ask yourself, what's the gap between a lot of these quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo? The gap isn't that wide. The 49ers have a really good roster. I got them at four. At three, I have the Chiefs. Yeah, um, they're coming off a bye week. It's important to note that Andy Reid is 19-3 and coming off a bye week, so they're probably going to win this upcoming week. But I have the Chiefs at three. Um, I know some people are probably not going to like that I'm moving them back because of the bye week, but uh, I got Philly at two. I got the Eagles at two. This is a great team. They're they're complete at every level. They're a really complete team. I like the combination of their offensive line and defensive line. They can control the trenches. Uh, they, they they with that with the with the Eagles, they would they do a better job. Oh, actually, I'm gonna save that. I'm gonna get to that. With the Eagles, they they established their identity. I like the fact that they have an identity. They did that last year. They found their identity. They are a physical football team, running the football team that's going to run the ball. Now they got some weapons on the outside that can really open this offense up, and that's where you're seeing the improvement with Jalen Hurts. Now one could argue that they haven't been tested this year, given their schedule, but they continue they continue to win in fairly dominant fashion. And that's the thing. If your schedule... If we're gonna comp- if we're gonna say, hey, Philly hasn't been tested this year and their schedule is weak, well, you know what Philly's doing? 
they're do- they're winning in dominant fashion, and that's the way to do it. If their schedule's weak and they're playing teams that are completely inferior to them, they should be blowing teams out, and that's what they're doing. They've been winning in dominant fashion, and now I have the, at number one. I have the Bills. You guys know this. I have the Bills. We all know how good the Bills are. Talented on both sides of the football. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. We we know we know how good they are, right? My thing is. The Bills in the second half have an issue. Into like they versus Green Bay, that was very worrisome. What I saw in the second half, in terms of like they only had they only they only accumulated 135 yards in the second half versus Green Bay. They they should have killed Green Bay by at least three touchdowns. I thought. Like overall, they had the best roster. They had the best roster, but my biggest fear is. Them letting the foot their their foot off the gas pedal because I look at a team like Philly, right? Where here's the difference between between Philly and Buffalo. Buffalo gets out to a lead and they're just explosive and they knock you out, right? Philly gets out to a lead, they run the ball, they melt the clock. You don't see the ball as much in the second half. Buffalo need to start running the ball a little bit more effectively, and and my biggest fear is this. They're too, they're too Josh Allen dependent. They're too Josh Allen dependent. And this sometimes, this is sometimes like the fault of like, not the fault, but when you have a player that is just so talented, right? And that could just do so much and ha- and just so capable of carrying the load. As a team, you collectively just like fall in love with that and you ride that wave a little too much and you become a little bit like Josh Allen to Josh Allen dependent. I've seen this for years in the NBA with LeBron James where LeBron is just so good and so valuable and, and so great where like teams become really, really dependent on him and then when he don't have the hand, the hot hand, or when things aren't going the way they usually go, it's like the team just loses itself, and that's what I'm. That's what I see a little bit with Buffalo, where it's like Josh Allen. He, he obviously he's the quarterback, so he's gonna be throwing the ball through the air, and then also like he turns into their primary running game, too. Josh Allen dependent. So granted, with that, I have the Bills at one, but that's my top ten list for the week. Um, for this week, I'm not mad with it. Like I said. I think my top five, I, I'm not mad with. I think, like I said, I think the, mo- the most controversial one is probably going to be the 49ers at four. But like I said, I, you got to see their roster. I think when they're fully healthy, they are a legit. They, I think they legit might be the best team in the NFC when they're fully healthy. Um, and here's the thing. And l- let me get into it a little bit. Since we're talking about, since I went in depth a little bit with Buffalo, I can pick out my biggest weakness or my biggest fear with each and every team within my top five, right? And like I said, with Buffalo, my biggest fear is they are too Josh Allen dependent. He turns into, like, he's he's already throwing the ball and, and he's doing so much through, through the air. He turns into their primary running game. That long term, that can't be the answer. That can't be the answer long term. I that's why I like the trade of Naeem Himes. 
Hines uh, that they got from uh, from for Indianapolis. I like that trade. I like that move. But that can't be the end-all, be-all, right? Like, they can't be so Josh Allen dependent. With Philadelphia, my biggest concern or fear for them is, first, they haven't been tested. But like, like I said, the to the flip side of that, they their schedule is easy and they haven't been tested. The flip side is, hey, granted, they may they may not have like the toughest schedule, or they ha- they may not have played like the best, the better teams or the better teams around the league. But the teams that they have played that are clearly inferior, they have won in dominant fashion. But in terms of like playoff games and, and playing playoff teams, I that's why I'm, I'm a little I'm a little skeptical of Philadelphia. And I'm also like, hey, Jalen Hurts, um, Nick Sirianni, what do they look like in a playoff game? What do they look like in a playoff game in a playoff setting versus a Kyle Shanahan? What what does that look like versus a Mike McCarthy? What does that look like for Philadelphia? I'm I'm curious. That's my biggest fear with Philadelphia. In terms of like X's and O's things and roster, they have it all. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Hurts can Jalen Hurts play Curry over from the regular season to the postseason, like that type of stuff. But in terms of a roster, they have it all. They have it all. Um, Kansas City. Here's the thing with Kansas City. Kansas City has allowed the most passing touchdowns this year. Now, let me break down that stat. That stat can be a bit deceiving because Kansas City, they're leading in a lot of their games. So that means teams have to throw the football in the second half and late in games. So the teams have to throw the football. But the the other side, the other half portion to that stat is this. Kansas City secondary has been, their pass defense has been an issue. And that's where like a team like Miami, uh, you look at the, you look at the better teams, the top teams in the AFC. You think about Buffalo, you think about Cincinnati, you think about Miami. All three of those teams have what in common? They can beat you over the top. They can they can beat you vertically. Cincinnati can beat you vertically. They have the receivers and the weapons to do so. Miami can beat you vertically. And Buffalo can beat you vertically. So with Kansas City, that's my biggest thing. Their pass defense. Is their pass defense good enough to suffice in this deep AFC where it can be a bit, it can be these teams can turn pass happy. Cincinnati, they can ta- they can turn into a little pass happy. Buffalo can turn into a little bit pass happy. Can can that can that can that Kansas City pass defense stay alive? That's my biggest thing. So that's that them allowing the most passing touchdowns this year. That's a critical stat, and it can be deceiving because it's like okay. They're leading in a lot of their games. Yeah. But the other half of that is, like, their pass defense is it, it's just not as good as their run defense. Their pass defense is just not as good as their run defense. So that's my fear with uh, with Kansas City. With the 49ers, it's first health and Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Right? Like, that's the thing. Like, in these big games, um, when you look at some of the quarterback talents around the league, and – Really, really, it's in the it's in the AFC where if the 49ers were to make it to the Super Bowl, they he like Jimmy Garoppolo would probably be playing a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Joe Burrow, where the gap between Mahomes 
and Jimmy Garoppolo is wide, right? <laughs> like we saw that we saw that a couple weeks ago. Like Garoppolo and Jim, and Patrick Mahomes were on the same field, and it was like Patrick Mahomes is clearly <laughs> the better quarterback. I think it will look a lot similar with jo- with Josh Allen, where Josh Allen would make some plays where like clearly he's the better talent, he's the better he's the better quarterback. Um, so. I think that's the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Like, can Jimmy come through and pull through in those big moments, especially if he's playing up against um, an, an, an elite and an, 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 like a, a clearly superior quarterback talent, right? Like I said, these other quarterbacks, I'm not saying these other guys aren't better than Jimmy Garoppolo or they're not great, no. But I think the, the margin is not as wide as where the 49ers are good enough collectively as a team where it can it can narrow that margin. You look at Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, I don't know if that margin can be narrowed enough where Garoppolo is somewhat close to them. I, I just don't know. So that's the thing with the 49ers. Uh, and with the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, I still have my issues about Mike McCarthy in big moments and big games. Um, is Dallas disciplined enough? You know, I still see uh, on a week to week basis. I still see Dallas pick up, um, some silly penalties where like they get a turnover, but then they get like a rough and a passing call. So like the turnover gets overturned. I mean, I I see, I still see stuff like that on a week to week basis with Dallas, like their defense is explosive, but can't, are they disciplined enough? Uh, and that goes back to Mike McCarthy. And then off, and then you look at the offense. Can Dallas generate and muster up enough offense? Can they? Can they? Can they muster up enough offense? Do they have enough? Like is Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Pollard, Zeke? Is that enough to muster up enough offense versus a defense like the 49ers, a defense like the Eagles? You know. And I know a lot of people probably say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, can they really? That's that's my thing. So my top five teams, that that's like my – those are like my biggest fears um, for my top five teams. Those are like my biggest fears. So, um, yeah, I think that's that's it. That's, that's my top ten list. Um, yeah, for the week. All right, so I want to – like I told you guys at the top of the episode – um, I wanted to talk, I want to discuss some NBA stuff, some college football stuff, uh, NBA season brewing. Like I told you guys, um, Steve Nash was fired earlier this week. There's a lot going on in an association. I think, I feel like I want to do like, I want to dedicate like separate episodes. It don't have to be like a regular, like hour long episode it can be just like 25, 30 minutes, but I wanted, I didn't want to cram all that into one. Also, college football playoff rankings, too. I want to um, discuss that. I, before I let you guys go, I just thought I'd bring up something. I mean, USC first. USC, think about it. I'm going to leave you guys with this. First year at USC, Lincoln Riley is one play away from still being unbeaten. And honestly... As we're in November, and as I've watched, I've watched, I was, I've watched like most of the, uh, of USC's games, of SC's games. 
it's a lot of outside of Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and their playmakers on offense. Like this USC team, I'm not gonna say it's bad, but to to think that they are literally one play away from being unbeaten, and you like you like you sit back and look at some of the you know the the advanced stats and some of the stats, um, especially defensively with this USC team, they wow, like it speaks to the amazing job that Lincoln Riley has done, and then you look at that offense. That offense is amazing. Now, and this is not me. I don't want to like make it seem like I'm shitting on the defense. The defense isn't. Uh, it's not a bad group, right? Like you, there's some of their stats are impressive. Uh, I, I pointed these stats out uh, a couple weeks ago before the Utah upset, and I talked about how hey, they lead the Pac-12 interceptions, but they have to play like in order for their defense to perform like that. Their offense has to play at a certain level. So that's that's all I mean by uh the you know outside of Lincoln Rally, Caleb Williams and those playmakers on offense to think that this USC team is just literally one play away from still from still being unbeaten it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. But it goes back to, to it goes back to me saying this. USC or I should say Lincoln Rally he is used to this style of play at OU. He was used to this. He at for for a majority of his years, for most of his years at OU, he had high octane, explosive offenses that were really, really good and potent that allowed their defense to play a certain way. But a lot of the years, a lot of the time, OU's defense left a lot to be desired if their offense didn't play a certain way on a particular Saturday. That's just what it is. And you're seeing a similar formula in his first year, at least with USC, because think about it. Like he, we all knew, we all knew that like, Hey, USC, they wasn't going to this. Well, I'm going to say this. We knew they wasn't going to like, like win the national championship or be playing in the national championship his first year. But hell, they may, they might they they have a good chance at winning the Pac-12, and they may be they may could make the playoff. They may could they could maybe maybe there's still the chance that they can make the playoff. But coming into this year, I think we are we have all been impressed of like in terms of like what USC looks like this year. Like the arrows definitely pointed in the right direction. Direction they're definitely trending in the right direction. But just wanted to tell you, this is a style of play that Lincoln Riley is used to. But USC has the ability, out like unlike OU, USC has the ability in terms of recruiting to build a solid foundation defensively. They could, they like they don't have, and they don't even have to go out the state. Lincoln Riley as a recruiter at OU. He had to like a lot of the time he would have to go out the state to go out and get these guys. He don't have to do that. He he needs to retain, and I think he will retain some of the talent that's in Southern California and, 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 and all throughout California, quite frankly. But he doesn't need to leave his backyard. He can recruit within. And you look up, 
first year at, at SC, Lincoln Riley has a pretty good chance at winning the Pac-12. Um, but I just thought I'd leave you guys with that. Um, you guys know I've been high on USC, but I, I, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Like I said, I want to dedicate um, a brief, some brief episodes to college football rankings and also uh, a little bit of NBA talk maybe. So without further ado, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. There will also be, I'm finding out new tools every day. There's also, I should probably should have said this at the beginning. I do it next episode. There's going to be a question and there's like a Q&A portion. If you're listening to this on Spotify, there's a Q&A portion uh, where you guys, I, I can, I can like, put out a question and you guys can answer it and I'll be able to see it. So I think that's pretty cool. I know, I know like a pretty good percentage of my listeners, you guys listen to this podcast off of Spotify. I'm not sure if it's available on any other app that you guys may use, but if you are a Spotify listener, you will be able to use this function where I can pose a question below, I guess, below the episode and you will be able to answer it and I can see it and I can probably address it. Um, on the next time you hear me. So check that out. If that is, I don't know where it is or where it's going to be. I don't know if it's like in the link of the description. I don't, I don't know, but it'll be, it should be somewhere in the episode details. Hope you guys enjoy. Always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. Gone.